people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd over drive. I was always a Fanboy Planet Podcast in mono. And yeah, will that make any difference? No, no, okay. it won't make a difference. But it'll drop. It out was and for it'll us. Come back. <laughs> Here is your host. Wow, Derek McCaw. Hello, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting for the fabulous Cafe Stretch in the Sofa District of San Jose. And boy, it's been good tonight. Uh, Tomorrow's first Friday. And that's right. Have a jazz but it's the third down here, so it's Thursday, May second. If this gets up by May third, then you can come down for the jazz quartet on thir- on Friday, May third, and of course on Saturday, May fourth. Not only may the fourth be with you, may it be with you as well. But it's free comic book day, the greatest day of the year. It's such Across a convergence. The entire world. It, it, is it? That's amazing. All right. So of course, as I mentioned, I'm Icelandic kids going off. To the my, they are to buy the two books available, and oh, but it's free. They don't have to buy them. And oh, over to my right is our fabulous announcer, looking pretty natty tonight. I am Nate Costa. Natty uh, Nate. Natty Nate. Uh, and we have two special guests with us tonight to talk about a chance this summer to gather amongst your people. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Andrew Tumbley and Kevin Roach. There we go. All right. Uh, and we now are. Look, look directly in the camera as we take your pictures. Yes. <laughs> and we are uh, chairing WesterCon 66. Yes, that's the 66th WesterCon, the oldest general science fiction convention in the North American West. Excellent. So we'll be uh, talking specifically about that and, of course, the usual idiocy that we talk about, the things that uh, keep us going I have a question day to day. before someone else introduces himself. All right. You're telling me there's an older science fiction convention in the United States? Two of them. Yeah. There's, there's what the one. hell's going on? Well, they're being the East oh. Coast. It's older. So oh, no, so, so first of all, World the Pilgrims Con, People don't even know what conventions were World 66 Con's, years ago. Worldcon has a decade on us. Um, the first World Science Fiction Convention was in 1939, and it was Worldcon not because it was about the world, but it was... In New York during the 1939 World's Fair. But PhilCon in Philadelphia actually predates that by several years. Wow. That is crazy. Are you taking Let's notes? get back to this, this history. That's very later. interesting. That, but we do need to introduce our moral compass Indeed. and podcast producer, Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. That's done. Taken care of. All done. Shoot. That's out of the way. Okay. Do it last Do you need time. to order dinner now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I do. All right. So uh, we're going to start off with comics, and then when you've ordered, we're going to come back and we'll talk more about Westercon. And I love hearing the history because, of course, it does tie in with us because when you talk about the history, it's like Julius Schwartz, one of the first guys to push that, Ray Bradbury. And then I see in our free comic book day thing, just coincidentally in the catalog, something that ties directly into that. Yep. Um, So let's talk about comics, which is free comic book day. Uh, I'm going to say up front. It's I don't know how many. Have we had this convergence before? Has it happened on both both events? Happen on the same day? It's always the first weekend of May. May. I don't know that it's this ever is like been a one the in the seven shot before. of it being well, May. Yeah, I don't know that if it's uh, that it's ever been the fourth. How many before? free comic book days have there been so far? Well, uh, mm-hmm. it started with Amazing Spider-Man. 
with the release of the first Amazing Spider-Man. That was the idea of Joe uh, Joe Field, Joe Field yeah. at Flying Colors. Colors Comics in yes. and Conquer. Excellent. So it is a California. When you based. say the Amazing Spider-Man, no, not I'm sorry. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Not the, the amazing right, Spider-Man. Right. You're right. The, the Toby Maguire. Uh, which, 2000? by the way, was not all that amazing. Uh, so 2001, was maybe? So 12, 12, 13 okay. years old. Um, there's been some great books over the years. So uh, there must have been a May 4th in there. You'd think. But, uh, but it may have been. I don't know if May the 4th has been doing. Been going well, on May the 4th long. has been around since the beginning of time. It hasn't been. Uh, well, yes, it no. has. <laughs> since the Julian calendar. Quattro oh, okay. de Mayo. Celebrated um, by my people. Which, your people? Yes. Quato de Mayo? Quattro. Oh, oh, okay. Pasty white. Not Quato. Yeah. The pasty white people. <laughs> no, we're all going to Mars. <laughs> we're going to Mars. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Get to Mars. So, uh, yeah, and Saturday night we should mention, if you get this in time, that, of course, Seven Stars Bar and Grill, where we podcasted our 300th episode, uh, they're having a special uh, May the 4th Be With You celebration starting at 8 o'clock. So check that out. I, I, it's a terrific bar, and they've got multiple and you, monitors, and they're going to be showing all the movies all at, at the, the same, same time. time. And if you have Star Wars apparel, <laughs> you should wear it. Yes, and of course they have a variety of Linguisa products, so I love them. <sighs> but I will not be able to attend uh, there. Sorry, Paul. Linguisa corn dogs, uh, di- food coloring. Oh, well, you know, we shouldn't talk about other like people's food when we're here at the Fantastic Cafe Stretch. So we had, you know, salad. look again. like lightsabers. Let's talk about Free Comic Book Day. Anyway, so here it is. At your local store, uh, we'll be at least hitting uh, uh, SLG Art Boutique and Gallery, uh, which is its new location on Ray Street right. in San Jose. They're, uh, that's their grand opening as well, Saturday. It is. And uh, Dan's been showing pictures, and it looks fabulous. It looks pretty cool. It yeah. does indeed. And uh, our friend Mick Gray will be there signing uh, and joining in the general festivities. Yep. Many other people. A lot of guests. Uh, you can go. I'm sure most of the stores... Near you, uh, have something going on. We know at Earth 2, you said uh, Ryan Posehn and Jerry Dugan are going to be there. They'll be there at 1 o'clock, okay. 1 or 2, signing 2 o'clock, Deadpool. 2 to 4, signing Deadpool. There's going to be other people there earlier. Uh, Jeff Johns is going to be at Golden Apple. I was. You were invited to that on Facebook. I was, but I knew I wasn't going to be there either. So, uh, and that's a lot of lot of stuff. Going. Yeah, that, I thought that was interesting too because isn't he? He co-owns one of, or did co-own one of the Earth Twos. He I don't no know if he longer still does. co-owns that. But one? but that Earth Two used to be a Golden Apple, and so there might oh, be something okay. associated with that. There's a relationship. There, there is a relation. There's a long-term relationship because Golden Apple in Hollywood is really the, or on Melrose there. That is the you know the OG triple O. That is OG, uh, of the comic triple. shops in in, uh, in Los older Angeles. than Meltdown. Yes. Although Meltdown's the hit place to go. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that you're looking at. I'm going to spot right off just because I give a shout-out to a friend whose book I'm really looking forward to. That I, It's cool that I've known this guy forever, and he's got an actual free comic book day, which is Scratch 9, coming out of uh, Ermi's Press. Uh, you want to take a look? Are they all the same, or are they different? They're different. Oh, they're different. Um, and uh, so the, the Scratch 9 Adventures, which was a... Book came that came out from Kazoic Ape Entertainment a few years ago about a cat who has been gifted with the ability to call forth his previous incarnations and his nine lives Ooh, to help him Egyptian. fight crime. It's very cool. There was an Egyptian cat in there too, yeah. uh, and there's a future one too. Uh, so really cool. My son absolutely loved that. So Rob, we're very excited in the Macaw household that there are further adventures of Scratch Nine coming. Uh, there's uh, this Ape Entertainment. I think this may be the first time. There's officially a, a Sesame Street comic book 
I think this is the first time that that's officially been licensed. So, Flipside Strawberry Shortcake for, for and Free Comic Day. Yeah. Only, only edible uh, licensing, Sesame Street and Strawberry Shortcake. Yeah, and you have to watch out, folks. This is just a public service announcement. When you pick up these books, do check the other side to make sure that... They're often Flipsides, yeah. Because you're often limited to the number of books you can take. And I've seen any number of people pick up the two books book that they twice. wanted, and, and it's actually the, the same, same book, book yeah, twice. Right, 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 right. So... There's a world of Archie Digest for Free Comic Book Day. That's that's got to be quite a. Is it going to have all the worlds of Archie? Let's see how many it says. It says uh, Digest is filled, and so I don't know how big it is. But if it's a Digest, that's a good deal for Free Comic yeah. Book Day. Uh, Bongo Comics, uh, Kaboom from Boom Studios, New Superman: Last on a Krypton. So is that going to be the DC edition then? Yeah. That'll be the There's DC. There's a DC book. and a DC Kids on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, Dark Horse is going to have an Avatar, Star Wars, Captain Midnight uh, book. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, of course, Image is releasing uh, a Walking Dead 2013 right. special. Uh, Marvel's launching Infinity, so a free Jonathan Hickman comic. Get those kids early. Let their oh minds my. be blown before they hit puberty. Should be clear that the Avatar that's on the flip side of oh, the Star the, Wars uh, is the manga Avatar and not. Was the Nickelodeon Avatar, right, the not Nickelode- uh, yeah, yeah. not James Cameron's Avatar? Right. This one is actually well written, <laughs> yes. with dialogue and storylines taken from a writer's imagination and not earlier films, and entirely uh, lacking blue hippie space kitties. Yes, I will not guarantee that. I, you know, it could be. Point. Uh, SpongeBob's coming from United Plankton Pictures. Never heard of that one. Did you mention the Smurfs? I did not. I skipped over the Smurfs, but I love. I actually enjoy the Smurfs. Uh, out of. Uh, Paper cuts? Yes, paper cuts. Smurfs. Uh, This this thing with the evil pony looks... Action Time Buddies scares me. Uh, It's Antarctic Press, so I imagine it's it's like a... uh, It's probably pony porn. A bromy... Yeah, yeah, it's everything you don't want to... Parody. Although, uh, Jamal Igles' Molly Danger is getting a free comic book day, so that's uh, edition, which is going to be good. Jamal Igles... Nice guy. Yeah, really nice guy. Long-time DC artist, and he's his first creator-owned, and so we're looking forward to that. Um, I am puzzled, and Nate, maybe you can help me. So there's an Aspen Comics, Rules of Aspen. What do they have that's viable since Michael Turner passed away? I don't know. All I the thought, artists who draw exactly yeah, like, like Michael Turner. Other people that aren't that Michael Turner? It's the bifocals that's the problem. There's a DC Comics, uh, DC Nation Super Sample. I see the Batman, Beware the Batman. I see Teen Titans Go in there. I see more Dark Horse comics. RAPD, Mass Effect, and Killjoys. Dynamite Entertainment, Damsels, Grimm. Um, let's see if anything else. Is that the Grimm from TV? TV, yeah. yeah they're doing a Grimm, Grimm adaptation. Image is relaunching Aphrodite 9, which doesn't surprise me. IDW is releasing a Judge Dredd classic. Aphrodite 9, that's interesting, because that was almost the a rip-off of the... Of the um, the angels from from Spawn, yeah, and especially yeah. given that those are going back, going to well, Marvel. Isn't now. it just Angela that's going to Marvel? No, no all, the all the angels, angels all of them. that were they created the whole concept. So, not that I think that that's really going to add that much to Marvel. But, I don't you know, think it's going to add anything. But you know, it's more just to stick it to Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Marvel Kids is offering Avengers Assemble and Hulk and the Agents of Smash. That's right, and those cartoons start soon. Oh, that's right. I saw they an ad for it. They do. Say, uh, the theater. Some great. Uh, that's right. We saw it the other night for uh, Iron Man. And 
Uh, let's see anything else. Liquid coming back. Disney Fairies, Rebellion, uh, Atomic Robo. Eh. The big thing, Dark Horse releasing this. Go ahead, describe it because I know you want to. So this is an ad in uh, Previews magazine, and you know you get these these statues of of your heroes, like your Batman, your Superman, your Wonder Woman, but they're not really real heroes, like Forrest J. Ackerman, and a real American hero. Yeah. So Dark Horse is Old releasing. Hogan? No, 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 no. Forrest J. No, no. Ackerman. Uh, uh, Corey Ackerman is responsible for mar- far more mayhem than Hulk Hogan. Yeah, indeed. But it's just a, it's just a lovely statue of him sitting on a rather gothic-looking chair, reading an issue of Famous Monsters, and smiling. And I, it's just so charming. It's a little pricey at one hundred seventy-nine ninety-nine, but uh, this is one of the, and it, it's just a very life lifelike. Uh, rendition of Mr. Ackerman. And for those who are, like Nate, perhaps not aware of who Forrest J. Ackerman was, he was the founder of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Right. I'd say the father of modern fandom. Uh, Chris Garcia claims the first cosplayer. Um, the first official cosplayer. Actually, that is mostly true. Yes, you can blame you can blame Furry. I, I blame him for the two men sitting across the table from me. Yeah. You can, well, you can blame Forey for a lot of stuff, and he would have probably taken credit if he was still alive. Um, and it would have probably not just been taking credit for the sake of taking credit. Yeah. Um, at the first Worldcon in 1939, uh, Forey and his kind of girlfriend Myrtle Davis showed up in what they referred to as Futura costumes. Yeah. And there are pictures floating around the Internet. They were actually very cool. Inspired uh, by things to come. In, yeah. yeah. Inspired by things to come. And... Of course, a big chunk of the folks at the first Worldcon were worried that these crazy people in costumes were going to take over conventions. And they were right. And we've had that same worry at conventions all across the world for the last 70 years. So, or so. No, not worry. It's actually happened. It just happened. <laughs> well, you know. Oh, no, there's always new people with new conventions that worry about that. That's true. That's true. Some are furrier than others. But so, free comic book day. Look forward to that. Be there or be square. Where? Yeah, the best thing. Forrey Ackerman is responsible for a Japanese tradition of cosplay. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, does the you guys are, are not only are you big in convention running, but you've also run Costume Con, and you're both accomplished costumers. Do you take offense when people say cosplay instead of... Uh, no, we don't take offense because we know where cosplay, the term, comes from. Right. He was take, there. I was at the uh, Worldcon where... 1984. 1984. Uh, Nov Takahashi saw us running around in costumes and in the masquerade competition and decided... This would be a great way to promote video games if you could get fans to dress up as their favorite characters. More importantly, kids to dress up as their favorite characters. So, so wait a minute, wait a minute. You are the focal point, the nexus of cosplay? No, we're part of the nexus okay. of cosplay. Because that would be just too much. For they the were purposes of this podcast, okay, yes. Yes, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, yes, we are. Oh, and Phineas and Ferb reference. You need to remember that was also the uh, Los Angeles Worldcon with the world's longest masquerade. Over 100 entries. Wow. How many hours was that? Too many. <laughs> okay, we'll take that. Because I was in the trailing end <laughs> of the masquerade. At a, at a, far, a far speedier and, uh, and I'm sure entertaining uh, masquerade will be at Westercon 66. So why don't we talk about that? Because you guys know how to run that. 
So tell us, you know, speaking of places to be square, be there or be square, WestCon 66 this summer, 4th of July in weekend? In Sacramento. In Sacramento at the Hilton Arden West, July 4th through 7th. Nice. And on the masquerade side of things, we're not actually running the masquerade because we're running the whole show. But uh, Phil and Kathy Gust, who are uh, Bay Area yep. fans, you know Phil, Kathy. who are organizationally skilled, um, will be uh, running our masquerade for us so that we don't have to. Uh, and we've seen them behind the scenes doing this, and we know that we can trust them to do a good job. All right, well, let's talk about Westercon 66 overall. So you're running the big thing. Why should somebody who is not already planning to go to Westercon 66 be interested in coming to see to this um, event? Um, well, I don't know. You might be into comic books. Uh, we have an artist who is a comic book artist, uh, Eric Shanower, who is best known for his Age of Bronze Trojan War comics. Well, maybe best known for that until a few weeks ago when his adaptation with... Uh, Scotty Young of Road to Oz got a pair of Eisner nominations. Well, he's been nominated many times for the Oz adaptations and, and previous to Age of Bronze as well. He's a big Oz because we've had him on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he is current again. And yes. the whole thing with Westercon guests is we want someone who, is, who has an established career but is still current. He um, is very much. Very so, in the business. Um, if you like to read, our writer guests are uh, Nicola Griffith and Kelly Eskridge. Uh, both of whom are award-winning authors and who met at Clarion 25 years ago. So uh, we hope there's going to be a bit of a reunion with their uh, classmates uh, at the convention. If you are if you like Star Trek, well, we've got David Gerald as our Toastmaster. Which is an excellent, excellent get. Yeah, he wrote this thing called, um, what was it, uh, Trouble with something? Tribbles. Oh, yeah, Trouble with Tribbles. The episode that people who don't watch Star Trek still know. The episode that people who don't watch TV still know. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote more Tribbles, more Troubles, too. Uh, oh, Trials and Tribulations, you mean? Which one was the one for the, the, the animated uh, series? Animated series. Tribbles, oh, more that's More Troubles, More Troubles. Right. Yeah, I believe he wrote that, too. Yeah. But, yeah, he was this, this punk-ass college kid when he sold the uh, best-known television show ever to uh, to Paramount. So Yeah. Oh, wait. I'm sorry Harlan Ellison's on the phone. He's going to sue us for that. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. City of the Edge and uh, the Edge of Forever is well-known. But, but not as well-known as Trouble But Trouble not Trouble by people who don't watch, watch television. That's true. That's true. So that's that's really good. But So before I was going to conventions like Westercon and Baycon, uh, and Baycon I, was going, I had gone to Comic-Con, WonderCon. And it was a very different feel in those two levels. I think that the that the those larger comic conventions are, are corporation corporate driven. This is much more fan driven sci-fi. And so, just again, to someone who's listening to this podcast, if you don't necessarily reach out to the people that are already going to WesternCon, well, despite Chris Garcia. So the I mean the big comic conventions, they definitely do have a trade show feel, but most of them did actually start out as fan events. It's just. They've grown so large that they now have full-time professional staff. Right. There was um, money in it. There's, there's, course, not like a lot of, there's not a lot of money in it, but there's money in it. But they have full-time professional staff. Um, there's still a giant volunteer corps who, who uh, runs the, the actual stuff going on at the event. Um, and, of course, there's a lot more corporate sponsorship and corporate involvement because those events, you've got... People who want to do their movie launches, they want to do their book launches. I mean, they want to do a bunch of book launches because they're a publisher. Uh, WesterCon and some of the older general science fiction conventions, 
really have never moved away from their fan roots. Um, yes, we have guests of honor. Yes, we have professionals who show up. But the professionals who show up, besides the guests of honor, are professionals who show up on their own nickel because they're coming to have a good time. Right. Um, they're, I mean, it's, again, going back to the really, really old days of the Dark Ages of the first few world cons back in the uh, back right after uh, World War II, you would have Robert Heinlein and Doc Smith entering in the masquerade, doing doing costumes for the costume competition, um, and that's something that at general science fiction conventions a lot of the pros still are very strongly connected to and very proud of their fanish roots. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, there's programming during the day, and some of the programming features professionals. Some of the programming features fans talking about things that they like. Uh, back in the days of Lost, the first season, I ended up on a Lost panel. I don't work on the show. I just watched it at the time. Right, right. And I claimed that I was the supreme authority on Lost because I was supremely baffled. <laughs> but so, And then it really does – it. the convention celebra- celebrates genre – but it also celebrates fan activity. So as, as, as people who listen to this podcast have probably heard Chris Garcia blather on and on and on, usually in amusing effect. Um, sometimes not. Yeah, we call um, it debatable. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Chris <laughs> Garcia runs, will be running our fanzine lounge. Excellent. Um, very I mean, fanzines are the original fan activity that happened even before there were conventions. They're like paper podcasts. Kind of like, kind of like, kind of like blogs, but with issues and printed on paper yeah. and with with an editorial hand. Well, okay. all those days, yes. Okay, granted, or some some blogs have an editorial hand, but um, and subscriptions and mimeos and smelly ink and smelly ditto fluid that you get high you had off to work of hard to be a fan of those days. You, you had yeah. to work hard to be a fan in those days. But so yeah, I mean, the whole thing is that it's not it's celebrating the genre, both the so, work, yeah. the professional stuff, television. Stuff on the internet now. I hear there's this thing called the internet. Um, are we on it? Uh, soon. Soon. Okay. Real soon now. Uh, but it is about fan. It, it is about fan activity, and it's a very social environment. When the uh, when the main events of the day end up, and the main events of the night end up, you get. Fans and pros hanging out in the bar, uh, hosting and going to parties. Well, I will ask this because uh, with you guys actually in charge, one of the things that first made me feel very say, uh, comfortable and I really enjoyed uh, at, at Baycon and Westercon were your parties. But if you're in charge, are you two going to be able to throw a party? Or is the whole thing? The whole convention is our party. The whole convention is our party. But. To that good answer. To that to that question, we've got uh, Chris O'Halloran and Pat Turner. Chris is a local fan. Um, she's commonly found working backstage at masquerades. Okay, but she stepped up to the plate and said, "I'd like to run hospitality con suite." Um, and Pat Turner is a fan from Sacramento who has been involved in stuff for years. She actually worked on the 1993 World Con in in San Francisco which was organized by people from Sacramento and a lot of people kind of Turned kind of got a fair play. Well, they got a little bit burnt out after that because running a world con's a lot of work. And she came back and said, it's like, "Uh, you got Chris. I'd love to work with Chris and that way we got someone in Sacramento who's also responsible for this department." So I mean, we've got good people running the official convention party. 
mm-hmm. which is the hospitality suite, uh, we have a number of people who have contacted us and said, I want a party room on the party floor so I can throw a party. Will there be a Klingon bar? Um, uh, that's one of the requests we've gotten. That's one of the requests that we're doing our damnedest to meet. Um, the, just uh, be wary. Not beware, but be wary of the Klingon bar. Just stick with drinking the revenge. You'll be you'll be much better off. But no, the uh, the black hole bar folks have contacted us and they are on our list and we're just working out the details. All right, great. Um, we have a number of uh, of uh, WesterCon and WorldCon and NASFIC bids who have contacted us to do bid parties. Okay. Um, we have a, now, a bid party yeah, for the uh, person okay. who doesn't know a bid party. So, Unlike Comic-Con, which is always in San Diego, or WonderCon, which is always in San Francisco, except for not anymore. Right. Um, Why would you bring that up? No, no, no. Sorry. It's all right. Because I want to pour salt in the wound. (laughs) Oh, Um, oh, look at that. Yeah. uh, Foaming like a slug over there. But uh, WesterCon and the World Science Fiction Convention travel around around their respective regions, um, WorldCon's region being the world, uh, and there's a campaign process to be voted to actually be allowed to host the convention. Yeah. So we have um, this year the Worldcon is in Texas. They campaign pretty heavily. Next year the Worldcon is in London and they campaign fantastically. Um, and we have a three-way race this year for the twenty for the twenty fifteen Worldcon between Spokane, Orlando, and Helsinki. I'm voting Helsinki. Just be honest here. I'm voting Helsinki. That would be interesting. And it, it would be... crack at their formula. So the, sh- the short of it is that these these parties bring their campaign the influence, influence of the area that's trying to get the I bid. I think I recall a campaign party two years ago at a WesterCon uh-huh. with an olive theme. No, no, that never happened. That was just a hoax. <laughs> and yet... And yet we won. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, beware of these parties. Yes. Well, okay. as far as we know, as far as we know, everybody who is is campaigning this year is, is actually real? campaigning with the intent to win, whereas we were campaigning with the intent to lose in first place, and we did, and then we had to figure out what to do after that. Yes. So, so. you decided to hold a convention. It's great. Well, yeah. So it's in Sacramento. You said July fourth through seventh. Hilton Arden uh, West Hotel, which is right near Cal the, Expo. Where on the web could someone go to purchase a membership for the weekend? www.westercon66.org. That's two S, two sixes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, not spelled yes. out. Right. Westercon66.org. Okay. And there's a big register now button on the right-hand side of the screen when you get there. It's on every page just to make sure you can find it. That's excellent. And, well of course, designed, there's a better, it's a better deal if you go for the whole weekend than if you buy a one- or a two-day Well, And pass. you can't pre-buy day, day registrations. At this oh, yeah, I don't mean to. to interrupt, but not being able to pre-buy one-day registration yes. has disgusted me, and I'm leaving now. <laughs> Throw those headphones down, Nate. Those were my headphones banging on the table. Go ahead. Go Have, ahead. A Have fun, guys. Get out of here and watch a sporting event. Nate's off to a sporting event. What you probably f- couldn't tell that due to the fine acting that is wow. Nate Costa. Almost as good as his acting in action figure action movie. Uh, yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, don't. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, all right. So, Nate is gone. So, now we can go to the real business. Mm-hmm. Oh, look. I have my own microphone now. Ooh. Are you going to go mad with the power? 
Uh, what's this go mad thing? Oh, right. No, I'm sorry. No. All right. So uh, we're going to talk some comics because uh, we now know where to go. And you guys, do you read comics at all? I can't remember. Uh, we've we've talked about many things at many we, conventions. We don't read a lot of mainstream comics. I read a lot of I read a lot of web comics. Okay. Um, I read a lot of stuff that's really really itty bitty press that was it was small press before the small press went out of business, and then they had yeah. to go self publishing. Yeah. Um, and then he hands them down to me, and I get to read them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. He hands down the web comics. That's weird. No, the web comics okay. I can find in my own. <laughs> All right, good. All right. So we're going to talk a little mainstream, but yes. I do want to talk about. There's an interesting digital to print phenomenon going on that's caught a lot of uh, comic book stores by surprise. So the first we're going to talk about is that Rick like emailed me over the weekend with it with an ominous email that the header was two words, no three, five Jupiter's children. Legacy. Legacy. Okay, Jupiter's Legacy. I wrote it down wrong. No, I didn't write it down right. Okay, Jupiter's Legacy, which is uh, Mark Millar and Frank Quitely. Uh, Yeah, so there it is. Interesting, interesting book, um, which they quietly were saying, like, if you must read one Superman book this year, this should be the one. Uh, DC's not happy with that ad campaign. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's from Image Comics, and Frank Quitely, who had actually been the artist on All-Star Superman. Uh, and Mark Miller, who uh, famously uh, said Grant who, uh, after many years of Grant Morrison ghostwriting for him, uh, has turned this interesting... I, I admit, I only got... I, I, I know that I need to read it a second time. Okay. Because I was rather tired. I read it when I enjoy it, but I think I need to like get it through in a, in a more conscious state. There's a lot happening in this first issue. There is. They're setting there a lot is. of stuff up. So, if you want to talk about it... Uh, well, I mean, it's... It's quite like art. I mean, I don't... Which I love. Which I just I love. love I, you know, I, I would love to see you know, him do just about anything. The 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 human figures, the human figure super figures are still drawn in a way that you can believe the musculature, the pose, the pose, the, the, the abstractness of uh, Well, yeah, former podcaster Michael Gissing used to complain that Quitely is... Draws rather puffily, but I think what it is is you're right. It gives it kind of a, a human texture. Yeah, there's a softness, even to the most hard muscle character. There's flesh over the bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the bones are in the right order. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But the the panels there's are so packed with physiology going on. His panel work is is so packed with detail, and he does some amazing stuff. Like there was one scene where he takes takes one of the characters into this. This psychological uh, envisioning of a world, and it's actually the realization of a painting that he had done, and the, the way the panel is drawn with the center part is all finished, the exterior part is drawn out, uh, pencils and stuff. Just just blew me away. I just yeah. love this and book. There were a variety of covers, but this one you've got here is finally with the actual children of the superheroes. So right. it starts in the 30s with a group of adventurers who are going to clearly. Discover what will what will eventually give them superpowers. Right, they're 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 kind of the kids are sitting around in a couple of panels bitching about how well there's really not too much to do to be super. Well, then it flashes forward, yes, yeah. to the point now where the superpowered family is very old, and that was one of the things I really liked about it right. was if it starts in the 30s and it's 2013. These guys are old. This is geriatric superheroes right. beating the crap out of their villains and wondering where's the rest of the family, where's the next generation. And so you've got a generational saga that um, seems to be laying the groundwork of being very interesting. What does happen with the family when you don't want to follow the family business and the family 
businesses in vulnerability. And we've seen we've kind of seen this story in a couple of different ways. We've seen it in Invincible, for for example. We've seen it in a lot of um, Astro City touched Astro upon City. It a we've times. seen it in um, some, some shorter works. Um, some miniseries, I think, as well. So, do I make the really, really horrible comment and ruin ruin it with the so non-serious version of this uh, of this premise? Go ahead, Project Echo. Well, yeah, Project Echo is. Did you, did you ever see? I Project don't know Echo? Project Echo. No. Project Echo is a. It's a manga series a manga that series. turned into a uh, that turned into an anime series. And the premise is that this is the daughter of Superman and Wonder Woman. But you don't find that out in the uh, in the anime until Not like the last two or three minutes of the of the f- second movie, I think. And of course, they didn't have the rights to come out and say it either. So, so. you just see them little parts of them in the background, and oh, sure, okay. little hints, little hints of parts of logo and parts of costume design. But it is. But unlike, that, unlike that has this, a story unto its unto itself that yeah. could be done independent of that big uh, reveal. Yeah. yeah. But unlike is, this, it's very very um, uh, slapstick and absurd. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot. There are a lot of repeated repeated jokes. The one about her running down the road, for mm-hmm. example, doing damage on the well, way to school. Well, I'm okay school. with that. It there's is room, anime comedy. There's room yeah. for different different yeah. takes, and I, and I do think that still, though it's changing. That the anime and manga audience is still somewhat separate from the from the mainstream Western Western culture. There's going to be a lot of people that are like me. Yeah, I've heard the title. Yeah, had no idea that's what it was about. But I picked up Jupiter's Legacy again. The it's, other thing, and again, it's an image comic, and it costs two ninety nine for mm-hmm. as, so a decent as, deal, Absolutely. as good as any other book you're going to buy from DC. Better than any book you're going to buy at DC or right, Marvel. Right. So yeah. you want to talk about this other one you've got? So the other one, uh, it's too bad Nate's not here because I got this actually because I was at hijinks when he called in and asked J.K. to put this aside for him. And J.K. goes to him and says, Nate just put this aside for himself. Do you want a copy too? And this is uh, Michael Straczynski and Ben Templesmith doing ten grand, which the short explanation – and Templesmith, you know, Templesmith is just like – he's an artist whose art just shouldn't work. Because if you break any That's one an of interesting his, way of putting it, and any, yet accurate, any one of his panels will look like it was drawn by a seventh grader, and then and then inked by uh, a fifteen-year-old who was learning to do wash, wash, yeah. Um, but all together, they, they it's amazing. And of course, Straczynski's dialogue in this is great, and we'll get back to that in a second. It is a, it is a supernatural detective story. It is kind of a Grimmer and grittier version of Constantine. Teen. <laughs> British Constantine. Constantine. Keanu Reeves. Constantine. Constantine. Um, uh, and it, it's uh, it's developed well over the first issue. It looks uh, pretty cool. the the real The real gimmick here, and again, this is a two ninety nine book, but the gimmick here is at the end of the book. We have the next issue, and then you have the um, the notes from Straczynski. And then the right-hand corner, the lower right-hand corner, there is a QR code. And if you hit that with your iPhone or iPad, it brings up the audio book version of this. It's actually, it's the track, it, the audio tracks done by two voice actors. So you can you can look at the book while you hear that hear them being read, and they're actually pretty. Good oh uh, no, he's ready. Mm-hmm. He had his QR code open. Oh, you want to? Okay. He wants to know. You want to go ahead? So yeah, we can do this live. So she's always beautiful. Get it closer. I want to tell her how much I miss her, how much I love her. 
going to tell her what I did yesterday, what I'm going to do tomorrow, what I hope for, and what I fear. That is a really cool touch. But the yeah. words won't and as Nate was saying before the show, this is what Marvel's AR should be. Should be. That uh, should enhance the story. Though it kind of it kind of gives me my love hate relationship with uh, Straczynski's dialogue because as soon as you start looking at it, it starts sounding really purple and silly. It's always so fraught. Yeah, I mean it's the, it's the it's brilliant until it stops being brilliant. There's there's a there's a, a second actor there's an actress and an actor doing the male and female characters in this, and there's a there's a nice interchange between the two of them where. The the uh, ten grand guy says, uh, "Thanks for thanks for not not doing the like. Your generation usually likes everything, you know, like this and like yeah. that." And then she says, uh, "Um, uh, oh, thanks." And he goes, and then she goes, "You're not going to get on me for the um now, are you?" And he goes later. So the detective is. Okay. Anyway, uh, all right. So that, that's the recommendation. We also checked in controversy on super, Superior Spider-Man this week. The brain issue. The, the brain issue, yes. That is, that is one creepy issue. That is a really cover. Co- creepy cover. Absolutely. Yeah. My uh, brain is made out of pink clay on top of is my it, mask. Is it yours? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's my brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it's uh, bringing uh, kind of it's the... whipped Pepto-Bismol. It's the confrontation issue when the uh, spirit of Peter Parker... Uh, is inside the body of super inside of the body body of but controlled by, yeah, by uh, it's confusing yeah but it's a showdown between Otto Octavius and Peter Parker inside yeah. the brain of Peter Parker right so uh, it's better than that awkward explanation we just gave it and definitely uh, ticking off some fans but again proves that this is a story arc that is for the long haul it's uh, it's a big it's a big story. It's a Spider-Man epic, you know, and so and I, I and I actually like it. And I was actually a student up by my office today, and, and I asked it. She said she has read almost everything from Spider-Man. I said, "What do you think about Superior?" She goes, "I won't even give it a try." And I said, "That's that's a shame. Yeah. You're totally missing a great story that you know will be rebooted because again, there's a movie franchise. You can't have Otto Octavius as Andrew Garfield. It but just now she work. gets to act all pouty. Yeah, uh, kids like that. Oh, they do. They do. Oh, the angst. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think that it would might have been interesting for them to have started with this issue instead of instead of going through all the. Well, I kind of like Kenobi. I kind of like that eight issues gave us false hope that that it was going to go differently. <laughs> you know, so I like that. I like that a lot. And uh, I just wanted to check in because we we knew that there was Guardians of the Galaxy relaunch in anticipation of the movie being in 2014. Right. Um, and I did want to just uh, you know point out that Guardians of the Galaxy is tying into Iron Man, which I thought was actually a brilliant marketing. Aside from I like the book, yeah. Once again, Marvel does this whole movie tie-in thing perfectly because if you go see Iron Man three, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, you go see Iron Man three and you go in say to a store on say Saturday the fourth, free comic book day. No, there's not a free uh, you know Iron Man comic, but if you if you thumb through. You'll see there's Iron Man with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Even if he's not going to be in the movie, he's with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So you make that tie-in. You look for an Iron Man book. There's Guardians of the Galaxy. And then suddenly there's a whole group of readers going, huh, I'm looking forward to that movie in the future. It's brilliant seed planting. Brilliant marketing. So I have an associated Iron Man comic. All right. So I was, I was terribly confused yesterday when I picked up books. 
there was the Iron Man book, and this they're starting an arc with the origin of Tony Stark. Right, the Iron, the, baby, baby. Yeah. the Iron Baby. The Iron Baby, yes. But there was another Iron Man on the shelf. Brand new, out this week, Iron Man. Now, if you remember, before the reboot, it was the Invincible Iron Man. I do, vaguely. And, but prior to that, like when they were doing like a 285, I think it was. He did. This, this book, it was a point one issue. And I heard nothing about this. It's continuing the storylines from pre, pre-Marvel Now with an Iron Wars postscript. Now, the only reason I think this is happening is because of the stuff that happens in the movie. In the movie, right. Okay. Um, but so, see, they're brilliant, confusing so you, the long-term weird. fan. Mm-hmm. But if you just walked into, a, like into a store for the first time in years and you saw that, you'd go, oh, that's like the movie. J.K. and I had to go back because he hadn't realized it had happened. And we went back and found the issue. J.K. being a clerk at hijinks. At hijinks. Yeah. We, we went back and found the prior issue in that numbering, and it had been years since that had come out. <laughs> Well, I mean, and that's that's that was the whole idea of the new Fifty Two and all of the reboots was that that sure comic books were great for the longtime fan, but a total disaster for anybody who wasn't following them for years. But oddly enough, even though the new Fifty Two tried to do that, oh, it didn't say it succeeded, kind of failed. But Marvel's been doing a pretty good job yeah. of doing it. Yeah, and, then, and not to give you theirs, their initiative is Marvel now. So um, mm-hmm. and it's working. I yeah. mean, I picked up. So many more books for Marvel than I ever have before. Um, so, and I was going to say, oh, and speaking of things that failed, before Watchmen, was that a surprise? No. No. All right. Not really. It kind of dribbled out. There's been some controversy because Len Wein gave uh, an interview this week where he was talking about, uh, apparently in the backups, and I stopped reading. I picked up the first issue of every one of the before Watchmen crossovers, and I thought, there's really not anything here that is... I'm dying to find out. Right. You know, this viewpoint. I think maybe I bought the second issue of Ozymandias because Jay was Jay Lee doing the art. Somebody uh, just I really like beautiful, 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 beautiful artwork. Stuff. And but, then the moral compass here is just waiting for the uh, Tijuana Bible ep- issue to come out. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen because everything else fallen. In the backups, they were running the uh, Tales of the Black Freighter, the, crim- t- uh, the story of the Crimson Corsair. Right. And uh, about halfway through that, apparently Len Wein and the artists were having. Um, creative differences. Wow. And so uh, DC asked Len Wein to leave. It was kind of a pointless backup because in the original book, those were all paced to go along with thematically what right. was and going on. Right, yes. mm-hmm. and, and they thematically matched what was going on watching. instead of just being... Instead of just being a pirate story. So they said that they no took connection. Len Wein off of the Crimson Corsair in order to work on the Before Watchmen epilogue, which, as everyone at this table has pointed out, would is be Watchmen. Watchmen. <laughs> Which is... Uh, so that's not happening. Cleverly repackaged. The, <laughs> the Crimson with dialogue by Len Wein. So it can finally end the way he wanted it to. Yes. Uh, which apparently that happened in Ozymandias that now, because Len Wein's famous complaint has been that Alan Moore's great solution was uh, an episode of The Outer Limits. And so uh, the arch- Architects of Fear, is that... Outer Limits or Twilight Zone? It's Outer Limits, I, th- I think. Outer Limits, I think. Architects yeah. of Fear. And so he now put into the Ozymandias book that Ozymandias is watching the Architects of Fear and says, right. that's a great idea. I did read that. And so and it's like, oh, you know, I, look, Alan Moore is, is pissy. 
And you can't make him any more pissy than he already is. But for God's sake, it was really whatever stop you do, working at it. Whatever you do, do not scare the owls out of his beard. Right, yeah. exactly. It was and, actually Alan Moore was watching The Architects of Fear. And, and Right. And then, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, I did walk by the D.C. offices in New York, and I did notice there's a circle of salt around the building mm. to keep him out. So, uh, you know, we, we'll see. Um, so that's died. But, but one thing that's been un- unexpectedly successful for DC has been their digital comics first to print, and it's caught the uh, stores completely unawares. You mean like Smallville? And- uh, Smallville, but the one that, that was really cool that just came out last a uh, couple weeks ago, Little Gotham. Oh, I missed that one. Where they're like little chibi versions of Batman and Damien running around. That's what I was afraid you were going to say. <laughs> no, here, but, but really, honestly, for those of us who have heard us mourning the death of Damien Wayne, mm-hmm. um, Little Gotham, it's still Damien, and it's written for kids, yeah, yeah. and it's Damien at his best. Yeah. All the good things about Damien. So there is still a kid's book available. Uh, Do they, they explain how he's still alive in that book? No. It's, okay. completely, it's completely unrelated. Nobody to, ever dies in chibi stuff. So It's, it's completely unrelated big, to the mainstream continuity. No, no, no. <laughs> but Dustin Nguyen is doing the artwork. It's really beautiful stuff. You should check it out. Okay. The only flaw I saw in it is that each one so far, in the first issue, it was... Two holiday stories, Halloween and Thanksgiving. And so I feel like if you're going to make it, if it was a, like a monthly tied around a holiday thing, it's going to run out of steam very fast. Okay. But if this team could just do a cute chibi version, just like Tiny Titans was for kids. Yeah. You know, Have you actually looked at the Google holiday calendar? You'll never run out of holidays. Okay, but I don't know. I'll be intrigued by the Arbor Day uh, Little Gotham. The Purim Little Gotham. Oh, that sounds like... Like a yuck fest. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where Haman Tashin. Yeah, it should be versus Haman. We'll see. DC, if Evil you want Jewish ideas, <laughs> we're here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it was great to see, but the thing is, a lot of the, the stores had to reorder because they did not expect that to sell. But there it is. It's a book in which Damien is well written, like Damien. It's appropriate for all ages, and that's what we keep saying. DC, so getting, we're screaming for those books. It was we, getting word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's appropriately bizarre that chibi is fun for adults too. I had no problem with it. I was okay. surprised that I had no problem with it. You know, so I uh, really, really like the book, and I want to recommend it. And it was just, you know, if you can find it at your local shop. Um, but yes, they also also doing very well with Smallville and Arrow with their TV tie-ins doing right. that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, Arrow's and the TV show is having a big effect on the standard book as well. Yeah, well, yeah, because everybody Beyond likes the, the TV show. Yeah. They didn't like the book. And now they've had to make the book be yeah. like the show. Um, and like I said, you know, I noticed because in Injustice, Stephen Amell is the voice of of Green Arrow there. So it's clearly that, yeah. that Warner Brothers is backing him as, Injustice the, being as the, the voice of the, the, the Injustice Gods Among Us, which is another. That's the top-selling video digi- game. But that's yeah. the top-selling digital comic worldwide right now. Injustices? Injustice. Wow. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, we've been watching Arrow... Um, uh, mostly for the pulchritude, but um, we've been watching Arrow, and w- we watched it with a friend who was a fan of Green Arrow comics back in the '70s and early '80s, and it was the this is actually kind of fun once you get past the monologue first episode. Yeah, yeah. I uh, the, the first episode was probably the worst of them all, mm-hmm. and uh, but it just got better and better. Yeah. So except for the workout scenes. There's fewer workout scenes in the later episodes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for you? 
as we said, poker too. <laughs> All right, we're trying a little to something, out. a little something for everyone. Okay, we're trying they, to figure out whether there's wire work involved or whether he's actually able to do some <laughs> the, of those stunts. He's an impressive right. actor. The uh, um, the the pull up bar on the yeah, Jacob's ladder uh, pull yeah. up bar. Yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing any wires in Injustice. Though yeah. I mean, uh, I. I gotta say, on Arrow, this is the only time I've ever seen John Barrowman acting where he doesn't look like he's having fun. Really? So you think? But do you think not? he's acting? I think he's he doing really well. Well, no, I think he's acting because the idea of John Barrowman okay. not having fun is bizarre. Yeah. Yes. Okay, but he's actually acting, which is good. Yeah. That's he's great. not just. Well, he is chewing the scenery, but he's not just camping. But he's it doing out. it quietly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. More of a munch. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and uh, Gail Simone tweeted this week that she's going to be writing Plastic Man, so I think that's a good, good match of writer and character. Now, is Plastic Baby canon? No. Okay. Although, no, 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 wait, no, 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 Offspring is, which is in the Kingdom sequel to Kingdom Come. Offspring is the son of Plastic Man. Is Kingdom Come canon? Uh, Kingdom became canon because that's how they introduced Hypertime, and then uh, and then Offspring was actually introduced in JLA. With the Batman Plastic Man team up. Okay. So, uh, yes, it's potential that Baby Plast... Oh, my God. No, no. Forget DC. We didn't say that. We didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Dan Dio, there is no such thing as Baby Plast. Um, anyway, uh, so she's doing that. She's also writing Red Sonia for Dynamite, which is a com- coming to watch. Talking about imprints where I'm suddenly discovering I'm buying a lot of books. Or more Dynamite, especially The Shadow and the I'm masks. reading both The Shadow, reading Masks. Reading, reading Year One. Uh, yes, Shadow Year One. Yep. Uh, I'm interested in picking up Mark Wade's Green Hornet, uh, which is coming soon. That's the one I've only picked up a couple of. But but, because, but Mark Wade's starting yeah, yeah. on it, so yeah, it'll be I interesting. Know. And then uh, I was just because it's you know he's my friend Keith Champagne writing uh, the Bionic Man versus the Bionic Woman, and it and it's fun. I mean, if you were into the sixty-six million dollar man, it's a fun update of of the concept. So uh, you know they've got some interesting. Fun, nostalgic books. Yeah. I'm impressed by them. Uh, they're a dark horse. What? Oh, no, they're not. They're not mm-hmm. a dark horse. Dark horse is a dark horse. Uh, still going out of the bank. AOL shut down their major comics website this week, Comics Alliance, and fired everyone. So um, that means there's a lot of freelancers out there that are still not going to write for Fanboy Planet, but it'd be nice. Uh, so that was a major moment. So we, we nod that we're still alive. You know why? Because we don't get paid. And uh, speaking of things that are barely alive, Vertigo. Wait, I don't get paid? No, you don't. Oh. It's, it's all the accolades and uh, adoration of our the five people Swag. that email in. Mm-hmm. Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and tell Rick how much you love him. Uh, uh, letters from Debbie need not apply. Uh, and remember, he is the immoral compass, so don't try to sway him too far. No, that's right. No. Uh, Vertigo is, uh, you know, like I said, kind of seems to be on his last gasp, but they are doing something, I think, right. In that they are bringing Lucifer back in reprints, finally, the Mike Carey uh, miniseries, uh, maxi series that spun out of Sandman. Uh, it was really great and has been out of print for several years, but now bringing that back in. So, really pleased to note that. And in the real world of superheroes, Phoenix Jones has been approved of by the Seattle Police Department. And his Rain City superhero movement was officially, unofficially, Allowed to patrol and keep the peace at the May Day celebrations in Seattle. So we're waiting for the Phoenix signal to be on the top of the uh, Seattle Police Department. It's true. It's all coming true, man. The reels are are getting are getting support from the police. 
Now Seattle can RoboCop be far behind? Seattle was where one of the first big Green Arrow reboots was located, uh, which I'm in, sure in Phoenix Jones is aware. Yes, and then we also had Jessica Alba's uh, Dark Angel TV show, Dark, Dark Angel. Angel. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of potential there for short-lived. No, and no, no. I mean, but the truth of the matter is, no. For a long time, Phoenix Jones has been the most visible and active of the reels. Um, and has actually got a pretty impressive citizen's arrest record. Okay. And I'm just surprised that isn't happening in Portland. Yeah, that's... Portland is a lot weirder than Seattle. Yeah. I'm just waiting for... What's the guy in Mountain View? The We the tried I? to contact him once. We, the uh, I? Yeah. I'm surprised the I isn't getting more active in, in fighting Mountain View crime. Yes. Not that there's that much. Yeah, just hang out by Ikea. That's East Palo Alto. Alto. <laughs> oh, buy me a Coke. All right. This is a short <laughs> shot up the road in the iMobile uh, uh, at Ikea. I don't you know. Ooh. I'm surprised you guys didn't. You want to take earlier. over? No, no. Cause it's spelled differently. Um, I don't actually know if he's still active because I, like, I was aware of him on MySpace and Mr. Silence and all those guys. Yeah. I was friending with him on MySpace. But now that MySpace is going the way of Vertigo... I, I, well, I now that MySpace is back to what it started out to be—a system to promote your band. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I haven't logged onto my page in like four years, five years. So I, I don't know. I should probably see what's happened to it. Um, Someone drew a mustache on your face. Oh, dang it again! All right. Uh, so let's talk about movies. We're leaking over real life into superheroes. Let's talk movies. Do you do you, you want to go ahead and talk Iron Man without let's, spoiling let's, it? Too let's much? talk about this first because there's a little. Oh, oh, oh this crosses movie and TV. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Rick kind of has a magazine that I have not uh, seen. In a You've long never time. seen one of these issues. I have. I, I I I recall in my teen years. Uh, it was uh, created in the fifties for gentlemen's of leisure. Ah, yes. Remember, uh, Moral Compass brought this along. Yes. I know, which it says what a piss poor job he does being a moral compass. I, I, I want to know what happens when you expose the moral compass to a moral monopole. <laughs> Same thing as I spin. Um, <laughs> the latest issue of Playboy magazine. Wow, has with a monopole dancer. Two interviews <laughs> in it that are particularly interesting to fans. Now, if you're looking for a good reason to pick up Playboy magazine, that's what I'm giving you is a good reason. You need a good to reason. pick up <laughs> Playboy magazine. If We've, you're the kind of guy who reads it for the articles, which I and you need, I was, and you need some and articles, no one believed me then, but now. But we have the twenty questions with Peter Dinklage of Game of Thrones, and Excellent. the man, the man is just brilliant, and he, he, he love Peter Dinklage. It's 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 no, I'm not trying. I'm trying to avoid any kind of pun, but in working with a Q and A format, you know, in basically a short form of answering yeah. question, brilliant. The, yeah. the 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 guy is just absolutely uh, clever and uh, and amazing and fun. Yes, the longer Playboy interview this month, which I've not had a chance to read, is J.J. Abrams, where he talks about rebooting Star Wars and Star Trek, and profiting off the paranoia and capturing d- distracted fans, whatever that means. Um, but I'm really looking forward to reading this one as well because they do Playboy does. A really good job of interviewing people. They always have. Well, I, I, all mockery aside, there were, this this uh, article I'm sure will be quoted. In truthfully, other media. truthfully, uh, Playboy's journalism has always been excellent, and, and the celebrity interview is always great. Mm-hmm. And it is funny about the playing off the the mockery fans like a coworker. So I'm going to say right now, if I I have not yet been invited to the Star Trek Into Darkness screening, 
but this co-worker's going through a rough time. She's a big Star Trek fan. I'm really going to have to take her. Yeah. Um, but she had she's, things have been so rough, she hadn't really even keyed in that Into Darkness was opening soon. And she had known nothing about it. And the first thing she says, it's that guy from Sherlock. Is he Gary Mitchell? Like, I mean, she <laughs> all the things that everybody had been saying for months. It's like, oh, all those rumors just got encapsulated into one. Um, the best one I've heard is that he, and I, I think it's all untrue, because it has been shown in England, right? It's, did it already open um, in England? I, I've seen that it's been getting good reviews. At least so it's I think been it's actually screened. It's, it's been, been screened, screened, it's been screened for reviewers. Yes. Okay. And uh-huh. uh, so I have assiduously avoided reading interviews because I don't want any spoilers, but the best rumor I heard was that he was actually Robert April from the animated series. Right. The first, the alleged first captain who could reverse time. So I, I was like, I would love any of those to be true. I have no idea. We know nothing here. Uh, I've been anything really to good. bring the filmation stuff more yeah. into canon, more into anything that brings the filmation series. Yeah. Into, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, the whole. But then prop- you have to cope with Kazin in the Federation. But that's uh, I have that's no just, problem that's why with it's that. Cool. It's Kazin and the slaver weapons, and that that was all in the filmation. And stuff. Lieutenant Moress. I miss Lieutenant Moress. So Mares. you tie Star Wars and in, Eric Star Trek in with Ringworld. And the known universes and stuff. Oh, which means that sci-fi would get involved eventually. And then uh, was, don't, yeah, no, sorry. they didn't do Ringworld. They did Riverworld. No, no, no they're, they're, they're going to do Ringworld. That's right, they're doing they Ringworld. Did that, yeah. uh, which gives yeah. fans Ringworm. So, yeah, but the, yeah, the whole thing with profiting off paranoia. I mean, oh, they can do it from the that, first edition where he goes the wrong way, where the go, world know. goes the wrong way around? <laughs> yes. Yeah, tell me. But is there a wrong way to do it? That's what sci-fi will do. Point. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the <laughs> you bastard. The, but, but I mean, profiting off of fan paranoia in the in the, in this age of social networking, paranoia is press. Press is yes, profit. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's the the moment that they announced that that J.J. Abrams was getting was getting Star Wars. Right. Oh my God! And the fans exploded. And that was more. I mean, you don't have to. When, with something like that, you don't have to buy advertising anymore. They don't even know why they're exploding. They just like boom because they're bored. <laughs> because it's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because because you can't mix the Trek and the Wars, unless you're George Takei. You can't. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Don't cross the star piece. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so where were we? We were talking there. So let's talk about the movie that does open this week, which we, you and I did see, Iron Man 3. Yes. The best of the trilogy. The best of the trilogy, I'm, I'm, hands I'm down. willing to come over with you. I was, I was saying... You were, hard, you were hard pressed to give up number well, one. Well, because it is one of those things where it's like, again, three... Some of what makes three work for me and resonate yes. would not have worked and resonated if it hadn't been echoing things from Iron Man 1. And But... Overall, it's a satisfying film, and maybe what, what I have to do is watch them all again, even Iron Man 2. Yeah. Iron Man 2 was, to me, so bloated and bad and such a mess that... It was kind of bad. Yeah, that, that Iron Man 3 really didn't have to work too hard to be better. So I'm going to ask you a question here. Not yeah. having seen 3 yet, having seen 1 and 2, the question is, does 3 make 1 better? Yes. Yes. Then it's the best Actually, movie. Uh, if three makes one better, so it's the best that's movie. A good, so, okay, that's a good way of putting it. Yes, I will take that then. Yes. But there's two things happening here. One is that, of course, three is better because one existed. Mm-hmm. However, three is better be- in the same way that Avengers is better than all the ones that went before it because they all existed it, and they it, told it, the right. story. It doesn't ignore... I like that change from the very beginning. That uh, it's not a spoiler because it's really from the beginning. Right. Tony Stark is having 
anxiety issues mm-hmm. because post traumatic stress. Yeah, everything has changed because he went into a wormhole. He finally was willing to die, and it's the first time. Now he has to deal with the aftermath of, oh my God, I can die. Not only that, that there are forces out there bigger than my ego. I actually have a different theory. I think Tony Stark has had any number of occasions where he's been woken up to a friendly face in bed. Yes. But this time he got woken up to the Hulk screaming in his face. I don't think that's an accurate, you don't think so? so funny. Okay. No. Um, but no, it's also structured kind of like a Bond film. It's funny because halfway through I was thinking... This really feels like Bond because he, he doffs the armor for a good reason. For a long, and, long and period of time. And very creative on his own. It's back to his own brain and using devices and clever. And I was like, using the armor. But and what I, and what I read suit. is that each, each uh, Marvel film, Kevin Feige's dream, is that each one will be representative of a different kind of film in, in canon, you know, a different kind of genre. So this was the Bond film. And then the end credits was like, yes, this is the Bond film. In case you hadn't gotten it, this is the Bond film. We're not going to spoil that. No, but I mean, no. no I mean, so, it's just a title thing. It's just a so title thing. If that's the case, what was Iron Man two supposed to be? Uh, Mickey oh, Rourke. Uh, that would be the. Uh, <laughs> I got the bloated uh, Hollywood sequel. <laughs> uh, it was. The, it was. It was Megaforce. Uh, <laughs> so it was the Hal Needham. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. oh my god! So a wait, friend wait, of ours wait, has two in three D. Two was not in three D. No, because no. I mean, our friend of ours actually has stills from Megaforce in her bathroom. Oh, okay. So, um, sorry. So that's really, really traumatic. The flying <laughs> okay. motorbike scenes. No, 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 no. That, 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 not no stills. Not stills from the movie. Actual. Oh, figures. Still, still. No, I mean, still pictures of the actors, oh, uh, the okay. performers. I see. Well, I mean, I they mean, were great actors. Promo, promo shots. Barry Bostwick and. and but Michael oh my Pack. God, Barry Barry Bostwick with the giant hair. Oh yes, and, and the, the beard. stretchy vinyl and the oh, stretchy God. vinyl pants and, uh, above the toilet. Curtis, uh, the the woman from uh, the first. Curtis Kambata. Curtis Kambata. Let's not just got two into Megaforce. Let's stay with Iron Man. Yeah, <laughs> Iron Man three was really well done. I loved the even the difference from the outset of the way it was uh, bookended. Yeah, you know. Oh no, the. the this is a post-credit scene that's unlike any other post-credit scene you've seen because it doesn't stand on its own. It unites the whole film in a yeah. way you weren't really expecting yes. at all. Better than shawarma? Yes. Better than shawarma. I Better did than act, and, and it was that my reaction. was like, I, of course, that, that is the post-credit scene to completely weigh against everything. everything and it yeah. was like, I went, no, I really... I mean, each one just... It steps forward because Iron Man mm-hmm. Two was when you think even like that post credit scene was so like nakedly that was the problem with Iron Man Two was like here are all these clues about what's going to happen in Thor right. and that was a chapter it wasn't a story it was right. a chapter mm-hmm. in a longer epic and three is we did not plan this trilogy but it does truly bring it back around and make it stand neatly as a as a trilogy for the growth of Tony Stark but the post credit sequences is the button that ties in instead of being watch the next one but yeah you probably should watch the next one um, but I, I, I'll vouch that there you know there's no spoiler to say there's nothing from Thor there and nor could there be it would be awkward it's not the right fit you know yeah. so uh, I would say that also and I'm not I'm not a real fan of this at all but absolutely the best cinematic nut shot of all time Yes. If you if, after you see it, you beg to differ. Write in to editor at fanboyplanet and tell us what is the best cinematic nutshot of all time. Yeah. But I would agree with you on that. Uh, at the moment, I can't think of anything better. 
Well, uh, now I have to go see the you movie. You have to go see it. Yeah. Um, you know, it is. I'm, I, here's, it is a little bit languid in times, but I think I was thinking about this. That's very much the way Robert Downey Jr. plays Tony Stark. Like Tony Stark likes to take his time and get into his groove. Yeah. And the movie kind of matches that rhythm. There I are, thought that this, you know, it's this very complicated plot that flows really well. I've been I've been having trouble disassociating or uh, saying Tony uh, saying Robert Downey Jr. the actor as Sherlock Holmes and Tony Stark what are the real differences because in both of them he's the smartest guy in the room. Yes. Holmes well, they are different. But Holmes he's but Holmes, generally he's a cokehead he's a cokehead womanizing freak and and, and But no, no, no. Holmes he's really he's genuinely annoyed by the fact that he's the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Stark, however, is happy having fun Rebels with the people it. who are not. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big difference, and that really, really, really comes out yeah. in this a lot. To me, there's a but big sadness is, to Sherlock Holmes. But yeah. that is the difference between a cokehead womanizer, well, actually a cokehead non-womanizer and an alcoholic womanizer. Right. But but I would say it's a credit to Downey as an actor that you can see them as distinct characters, yes. even though. So... Um, he can play every kind of added, addicted uh, he womanizer. He in knows the it. Universe. He knows it. You betcha. And let's say you know, he could be a hustler too. It doesn't have to be. So, um, he, so the, he he brings facets to monomania. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Um, so uh, we're looking to the future of Marvel films. Oh, we missed. We get to say officially, not that it has much impact, but Marvel did announce last week in one of our off weeks that they have, as as rumored, they got the rights to Daredevil back. Yes. To uh, so that will now fit in the Disney universe. They haven't said anything about where they might fit him in. As I think, far more, as ta- I think that's more likely TV. If the rumor is true, they're trying to develop a Luke Cage. Uh, Iron, if they're trying to develop a Power Man Iron Fist TV series. It would make sense that Daredevil would fit there on a more street level. I, you know, I was going to say, I was just going to say street level because once you have you, all the characters that are not really cosmic or flying so sci-fi, around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need. You know, that's the point of the of the movie universe. Shield is going to bridge the, the movie universe, and the TV universe, and there've got to be characters that are fighting for the comic, the average guy, the standard crimes. Iron Man can't do it anymore. It is, Thor can't do it cinematically. Hulk can't do it. It is a character for Marvel who is probably the closest thing they have to a Batman, and could work in the shorter form very well. Yeah. So we'll see. They got that back. They did. Uh, there were uh, pictures leaked this week. <coughs> excuse me. Of uh, Anthony B. Mackey. No, no, it's just Anthony Mackey. Anthony Mackey is playing the Falcon in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and uh, so they had some pictures of him. Allegedly, it's in the costume. If that's the costume, I'm not happy, so I'm going to wait and see. But I would suspect the wings are going to be CG'd anyway, just like Hawkeye's crossbow was, that um, it's got to be a a CG device. Um, It didn't look all that impressive, but I think Anthony Mackie will make an interesting Falcon. And that, a Winter Soldier, is being more like a 70s political thriller, so it does make sense it's more military, more uh, anti-terrorist kind of thing. Maybe. We'll see. Um, big rumor, Fox still has Fantastic Four. As we know, they are going to be rebooting with Josh Trank directing the uh, Once more director the of Chronicle. Birth we go. Uh, serious and dark, the Fantastic Four. Um, but he rumored that he's looking at an actor from Chronicle named Michael B. Jordan uh, to play Johnny Storm. Michael B. Jordan is African-American. Um, not in and of itself odd. It's just the other rumored casting is Allison Williams from Girls as Susan. Okay. 
So I'm not sure that is these she rumors. African American? No. She's Brian, uh, NBC News anchor Brian Williams' daughter. Um, so probably not playing with his brother and sister then. Probably not. There's um, always adoption. I guess so. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, I'm just not sure the, the the rumors add up. I mean, because there are rumors yeah. upon rumors. I think there was a really weird Justice League rumor today that was clearly like somebody had taken the past ten major rumors of Justice League and tied them into one big article and said, I tell you, I'm a studio insider. Yeah, I yeah. tell you, I am. I am. I am. Uh, and uh, Minor PSA for uh, listeners out there, if you really want to go and re-experience it without spending a dime. Fantastic Four... Uh, what is it? What was the name of the movie? Silver Surfer. Rise, Rise, of, Silver Rise Surfer. of the Silver Surfer. Rise of the Silver Surfer is uh, right now on um, uh, free uh, streaming on a lot of cable channels. Oh, okay. So, which cable. I I did, did like that movie, not because it was a great Fantastic Four movie, but a great family film, great kid yeah. superhero movie. Yeah. We're still not making enough of those. Um, in fact, because Greg Rucka like complained about Superman Unseen, Man of Steel, it shouldn't be PG thirteen, and I'm like, yeah, everything's got to be PG thirteen these days. Sadly, right? You probably shouldn't take your kids to half the movies you take them to, but we do anyway. God, do we ever? Yeah. So, other rumors: Chad Bozeman, who was the starring as Jackie Robinson in Forty Two, maybe is Marvel's uh, top contender for Black Panther, who is rumored to be part of Avengers Two. Also confirmed in Entertainment Weekly this week that Joss Whedon has written Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch in the Avengers 2 script. Mm. Oh, I never realized they weren't part of the X-Men. Ah, they exist as both packages. They're the two characters that can actually be in both studios. Mm-hmm. So Fox owns... Fox owns the X-Men, and they have the right to use Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, but so does Disney wow. for the Avengers. So tricky lawyers. Uh, yeah, I no one. It's one of those. The smoke was cleared. Even Disney lawyers are going. We have no idea what just happened. Uh, and when they when they're confused, something's gone horribly wrong. Uh, no one knows for sure. Uh, okay, so let's say uh, Kelsey Grammer. Speaking of uh, of X Men, uh, is going to be the villain in Transformers Four. So he's going to be a Decepticon. He's going to be a human villain. Okay. I, it doesn't make any sense to me either, except I'm ha- always strangely happy to see Kelsey Grammer in genre projects. Yeah. I don't know why, because I also, he's the actor I, I like associate with liking genre the absolute least. He was in uh, Star Trek, uh, was he in Voyager? He wa- uh, was he on The Next Generation? Because Peter David like wrote a whole Maybe series of, of novels with his character. Yeah. Uh, but that was, I never watched Lex. Well, seldom. He was the captain who had been suspended in time from Kirk's era and came forward. Well, that's interesting. I'll have to find that episode. I had no idea. Let's move to TV. The real reason you guys are here. Star Trek Next Generation Season 3 on Blu-ray just came out. Doctor Who? Sure, Doctor Who. We like Doctor Who. Even when it's it's iffy, we like Doctor Who. Like this season? Um, Well... So There's I'm been a reading, lot of magic. In so Doctor I'm Who. reading this blog called Adventures with a Wife in Space, where a British couple has been watching the entire series from the beginning, all existing episodes and all reconstructions. And this is not the first time Doctor Who was dodgy. 
Um, it's just vanished memory. There's <laughs> <laughs> just vanished no. memory glosses over the it, dodginess. Honest, it's probably I, I re- dodgy more often than It's not. like vanished memory of John Seed and Emma Peel in The Avengers. No, I think when, right. when Ace was It's the like Star Wars fans. Oh, it's totally like Star Wars what fans. What do Star Wars fans actually like? No one seems to know, but we're all fans. Yeah. yeah. It was swinging across the ravine using dental floss and uh, that was awesome. batteries. I thrilled to that. Okay. So what do you want to talk about talking about well, Dr. Who? Well, we're saying 50th anniversary is coming up, but I was going to talk about some of the of the rumors, but I don't think I want to because I feel like you don't really want to know. I don't want to spoil anything. Oh, I, 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 we've seen lots of the rumors, and of course, my biggest joke is the is the most ridiculous rumors that people are just making up for the sake of making it up, and everybody knows they're ridiculous rumors um, because... We know people who have been on the set and done other things, and um, oh yeah, well then you can tell us rumors. Well, actually, no, because they're 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 the kinds of people who are actually responsible. They're with talking. their they're responsible. They're with just their, teasing. No, they're responsible with their non-disclosure agreements, yes. and they're actually no, and they're actually talking about the stuff that they did because that episode aired. It wasn't actually an episode. Well, the stuff that they were in. The stu- no, was the, in one of the doctor um, was in a confidential. Yeah, but that was that was working. So so Meta and Brian Meta did a uh, did a uh, course with Millennium Effects. They're the uh, prosthetics shop that does all the prosthetics for Doctor Who and a bunch of other uh-huh. other uh, BBC and British genre productions. And so for after she finished her course, um, she got to go on set and. Act and, and work as a dresser for Rings of Akaten. Oh, cool! Which mediocre episode at best? Um, it had its moments, but it really didn't hang together well. Right. I had I, a proud moment because I've just introduced my son sporadically. Like mm-hmm. he's maybe seen five episodes total, and he watched that with me and said, "When Matt Smith was doing this talk and the glowing started happening, it was." Oh no! Is he regenerating already? Okay, and was yeah, like, that's, awesome. And that's the first thing I thought. <laughs> my, my problem with that is that episode is watching the second time it suddenly sunk in. Wait a minute! Why is it the one time the TARDIS translation matrix isn't working? Right. Yeah. I, I know because yeah. that has been the problem. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of very convenient failures. Just as in this week. Oh no! He was, I can't he was, talk about this week's. I haven't seen major, major yeah. either screw up or clue. Probably screw up though. I no longer think they're clues. I think they're screw ups. Um, so, one very important thing to remember, as as I think it was Paul Cornell wrote a the discontinuity guide to Doctor Who, but a brilliant essay about the fact that we are talking about a character who can travel through all of time and space. He's a time traveler. Anything can change. You can't actually claim that anything is not okay. canon. All and right. the other thing is the no, Doctor lies. I'm not saying it's not. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not a thing with the doctor lying. It's not anything that I understand that. No, there's something in the episode that is like either a clue or a mistake. It's probably. I mean, for all for all that I snark on the, uh, for all that I snark on the current series of Doctor Who being badly paced and and so and and. Well, I mean, Rings of Akaten, I've described as, it's a, it is the worst execution of the most brilliant idea ever. Because okay, this I'll idea, because this idea that, that memory and sentimentality is the, is the currency, currency. of a culture. I love that idea. Is an incredibly yeah. cool idea. And it just, the problem was that 
the show, it's the episode itself devolved into sentimentality. I mean, they've been sowing all sorts of yeah. possible hints through these these episodes, uh, yes. and it's you know. In, but watch if you watch the first Matt Smith episode, there are all these bizarre little. I mean, sorry, the first Matt Smith series, uh, yes. series six. There are all these bizarre little things that you go, it's like, okay, that didn't make any sense. Right. And it's all tied up in this. It's all hints to stuff going on in the last episode. Yes. So what you saw probably was a hint. Okay. Um, but it does come down to the the way that the way that Stephen Moffat has this thing of the his. Some of the hints are misdirection. Yeah, no, I, I realize. But, no, but, I've, I've sat down and I've talked with Stephen, but I, I mean, and I know that he's difficult. Russell Davies was Russell Davies was. We've got these stories, and there are these little things that are going to happen. The little just hints of stuff. There's little hints of stuff that are hints, but they're really in the background. Yeah, um, and Moffat is. I have a million pieces, and I'm going to throw them up in the air, and when they land, they're all going to come together. Um, but they're not necessarily going to be as subtle. So, all right. But we yeah. are we are heading to the fiftieth. They have released one of the next titles. The name of the Doctor, uh, particularly yeah. bitter because, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, the ultimate thing of last season with Doctor Who was essentially my plot for the Phantom Stranger, including that the name of that storyline was the name of the Stranger, and so now it's the name of the Doctor. I'm like. Moffat, get out of my head. At least leave me one shred of, of dignity and originality. Well, but, and one of the comments that, that, that a friend of mine made was the spoiler spoiler for the name of the Doctor. The one thing that's not going to be in the episode is probably the name, the name of the name Doctor. Of doctor right. uh, It'll you know, turn out to be Darren. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, no, if he's in your head, it's going to turn out to be Derek. Darren or, Stevens was a Time Lord. Hence the two versions. Yes. Ooh. I, I got I got there. You did. <laughs> I wasn't sure they had. So, anyway. <laughs> so, the 50th anniversary, there was a thing that we have seen John Hurt uh, wearing a leather... A photograph of John Hurt wearing the leather jacket of Eccleston. Well, and Eccleston... I mean, the, the interesting thing was that the word... word Word had come out that the uh, that uh, Moffat and the BBC had actually approached and discussed the I've idea of that. Eccleston returning for the for the finale, which or rather for, for the uh, for 50th. the reunion for the fiftieth. But there's a whole thing of anybody who's ever read any interview with Eccleston knows that he never wants to go back to it again and never will. Right. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's. The fact that the fact that they even went and asked him, there's a certain level of either that's a lot of chutzpah or that's the we're going to do this right and we're going to ask him even though we know he's going to say no. Probably will happen. Probably, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, and it is the 50th anniversary, and it is Doctor Who because I, I, I I've always felt Eccleston. One of the reasons Eccleston left the series before it even aired was one he did not expect it to be what it became. As popular as, as popular. Yeah. I mean, he thought it'd be a decent series, but he didn't want to get tied down to it. Obviously, he said he'd gone out in kind of a whimper and then hadn't been around for a while. So yeah, so you know, why would you? Expect? He didn't think it was going to be the success it was. So, well, he'd worked that. with Russell before, though. So, and he'd worked with Russell on um, Second Coming, which was an incredibly popular uh, well, sure, miniseries in the UK. I mean, in amazingly but it's, popular. But it's still for a different thing, you know, to say. 
Yes, and he went off, and it, 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 it perhaps you know leapfrogged him into, if you consider it a step up, uh, the hero's role. <laughs> well, uh, he never actually appeared on camera. <laughs> no, he did. Well, he did, but very rarely. Uh, and now he's in Thor as Malekith, uh, the dark elf in uh, in Thor: The Dark World. Um, but I can understand still saying it's 50th anniversary. Isn't everybody going to come back? No. You know, but it's obvious Tom Baker can't. There's no way you can make an excuse for Tom Baker looking the way he does now as the fourth Doctor. There's just they pushed it with Peter Davis Davison in the time the time crash episode. Yeah. So anyway, move that. You may have I mean, then Sylvester McCoy also looks very different. Somewhat, yeah, very different. Um, so let me bring this uh, podcast back a little full circle here for you because you mentioned before we started recording that one of your Toastmaster, David Gerald, is working on a web series and is going to kickstart the a web kickstart series. is launched. It has been launched. So let's talk about that. It fits in TV, I think, because that's uh, where the web series TV. is going. Yeah, It fits in TV. Um, uh, David Gerald's done a lot of television. Um, I mean, he... He worked on original Star Trek. He worked on Land of the Lost. He worked on Next Generation and was script editor of the first series of Next Generation. Uh, he wrote the Bible for that. He wrote the yeah. He wrote the Bible for it. He is. Uh, I have a copy. He's um, and actually at, the, at this very moment, I think he's got a, uh, a short play running at. Northridge. U- at, Northridge. C- at CSU Northridge. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, called Uncle Daddy Will Not Be Invited, um, which I've heard decent things about. Okay. But he did a series that he did a series of books called The Star Wolf, and he and DC Fontana and a bunch of other folks from various incarnations of Star Trek got together and said let's do a web series. Let's let's get a bunch of folks who really, really love I mean, Star Trek style space opera together, and who no entertainment and no production and no mm-hmm. television, and do and and let's do a series based on the Star Wolf. Moderately hard science, science yeah. fiction. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, as, as television goes, very hard, hard science. Well, but. ironically enough, you know, you know about um, one of the books is called Blood and Fire, mm-hmm. which was based on his rejected Star Trek The Next Generation episode. That, uh, Which he now has had filmed by that Star Trek Phase 2. Oh, phase really? two okay. But there's a controversy going on with that because apparently some idiot, I'm going to go so far and say that, mm-hmm. some idiot has taken and edited so that all the, the content that he finds objectionable, and I believe that the argument is, in the future there will not be gay people. Um, now, see, I mean, if you're really going to do that for objectionable content, you take, um, what was the, uh, the, the Star Trek Generations, and you edit Kirk out of it. I mean, that's, that's, that makes it a much more watchable wow. sh- movie. Well, I'll agree with that. But, yeah, yeah, okay. So this idiot is doing that, and apparently there have been several... This is a weird situation. Like He season, pops it up on YouTube, see, and they yeah, see and see it, and they pops another account on YouTube, so and they see and see it. It's all odd. I mean, because it is weird that there is this Phase 2 happening, and Paramount lets it happen, which is right. cool, because yeah. I've watched... That's cool. I watched the episode where they brought Cheka, uh, the sequel to uh, the, Gold, uh, the Deadly Years... Right, right. But so Chekhov got the disease later and, and yeah. aged and died. Walter Koenig was in it. Um, it was really cool. I, I love the concept of fans being able to do it. Although the guy playing Shatner just isn't Shatner. It's not Chris Pine. Uh, but <laughs> it's still interesting that that can happen. That we're living in a day and age. 
the David Gerald, who I've admired as a writer for a long time, mm-hmm. can just we can just say, "Hey, kids, my uncle's got a barn, aka green screen, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and a computer. Let's put on a web series, and it's good, or we hope." Well, hope in that case it's good, but there are plenty that are, and that's where we've reached. It's it's an amazing time. They have better well, production mean, quality than the original series. That's I mean, 20, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Twenty years ago, you could do you could actually do the CGI on a home computer if you bought an Amiga. Yeah. But you couldn't do all the production and the whole analog to digital conversion and everything, yeah, yeah. and the editing was a disaster. I mean, doing something doing something as a fan film. It was a ton, an insanely large amount of work. Yeah, um, and with and with easily accessible digital video. I mean, I have a camera that I can. I have a regular conventional camera that I can shoot 1080p video on, and all I have to do is know a little bit about lighting, and I and can miking. and miking and all of that. But it's it's all of this stuff is achievable. Yeah. And we'll fix it in post. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, all this stuff is achievable on a reasonable budget, and people are actually learning enough that they can get it right in camera and not have to fix it in post. Yep. Right. Um, it's amazing. And well, I, just looking at that, you know, um, Lon, say we just did AFAM, launched that on Fanboy Planet, the action figure action movie, parodying 80s action films with action mm-hmm. figures, clever, that it's all done in his living room, literally, on his desk. With the di- with the diorama set up, that you could animate. When I take a class in junior high and do the click 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 move, click click click, and right. you've got this pro- this program, the software for under a hundred bucks that will allow you to animate your figures and, and fill in digitally. If you make a mistake, the computer will, will fix, fix it. the tweens, yeah, automatically. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean the stuff. That even even five six years ago, I mean I had a friend who worked for Adobe and he would parcel out to his friends his annual purchases for the year at employee rate and he handed out some folks copy of copies of after effects and this was when he still had to like spend real yeah. money on digital video on tape uh, and, yeah. do, and do things like that and it, i sat there and watched this video that a friend of ours he threw a bunch of fursuits in the back of his truck and and some and some lightsaber handles and went out went up to the snow in tahoe and did this short film that he's the only actor in in four different fursuits doing lightsaber battles with himself and you and, and the whole thing is just insane and he had I never used, had the time and he had never done it and he had never used after effects before and he turned and he got heads flying across the screen getting cut off and lightsabers and, and and this is like I said this is like 5 6 years ago so and it all just keeps on getting easier upshot Let's go to the Kickstarter campaign for Star Wolf. Get that going. Uh, attend WesterCon and talk to David Gerald, who'll be very accessible. Mm-hmm. We'll assume. I would say, and if and I mean, if if that's not your kind of science fiction, and you really want, uh, if you really want uh, Doctor Who stuff, our fan guests for WesterCon are a trio of Canadian uh, podcasters who do Doctor Who podcast. They are in their three hundred and seventy something episode. At They're this a bit point. ahead of us. A little ahead. Of us. Um, and and then there's their girlfriends and wives who are in some cases in their own respects fantastic podcasters and uh, and and you know I realize Rick we are in a, in a way starting to come full circle 
with this podcast because the very first podcast was a review of Superman Returns. Yes. And now we've got Man of Steel this summer, and so Superman Returns launched it all. So there, there is one more thing about WesterCon, because when you're we talking us. about it, and why do people want to go, the real reason goes, we're going to have a hell of a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. we're actually, we're having some themes. Since we're starting on the 4th, we get fireworks. Of course, we get them for free, because we're across the uh, highway from Cal, from Cal Expo. Expo. Yeah! So we're gonna, Sacramento throws good fireworks so we're gonna at Cal have Expo. the world's, yeah, yeah, yeah. world's shortest opening ceremony, so we can go out on the lawn and watch fireworks. Yes. And Saturday, we have the traditional masquerade contest, which should be great fun. But Friday, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have a music day. And uh, so there will be a music program all weekend. There will be Fanish and Filk music going on in its its own track. We've Plus, got a friend who's going to do a sitar recital at some point during nice. the day. Nice. We have uh, some angels who have donated a concert by uh, Unwoman, the uh, steampunk cellist. Yes. Excellent. Steampunk uh, goth cellist, whatever. I have attended a concert. She's Brand new very album. good. Very and, good. And Friday night, we are going to have a concert and dance. Uh, we are negotiating with the Phenomena. I can say that. Okay. Uh, we haven't signed yet, so it could go all astray, but we are negotiating with the That's the hope. Phenomena. That's our website. And, uh, we Science are... fiction rockabilly band from Oakland. You had me. <laughs> and uh, and our, uh, our gaming department is going to wrap up their giant written just for us LARP. On Sunday afternoon. Wait so a minute. There's a LARP? Okay. There is a LARP. Okay, there's a people. secret agent's LARP. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thinking about it. I, I don't know how much I'm going to be. I mean, I do intend to, to go if you guys will, will let me go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just don't know how much I'm going to be able to attend because I am teaching that week. But it, but looking forward to that. The other thing about Cal Expo. Just I'll be there all, all week weekend. Long. There we go. The and other we will be, too, for yeah, some reason. Yeah, I know, because we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing about Cal Expo to tie into our, our occasional Disney thing is, you know, Cal Expo now has the original entrance sign to California Adventure. So Ooh. if you get bored with WestCon, you can go over and pretend you're that you're going California. to California Adventure when it really wasn't any good. I don't know. I liked California Adventure in the old days. It was highly underappreciated. <laughs> Which meant you could get on all of the rides That's really true, quickly. That's true, you could. true. <laughs> But I mean, I, know, I, know that was, that I mean, Screamin' is one of the best coasters I, it's ever. Still great, still great. Yeah. But I do love that Disney did that when they redid it. They just took the sign and went, "Hey, Calixpo." So you know, it's it's a nice mm-hmm. little. Every now and then, there's there's an ounce of we care about the world we live in, <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. It's cool. But you're not going to get bored at Westercon because mm-hmm. this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I've attended, and like I said, I'm excited about this because you guys have always been to me. A high point of the conventions I've gone to. I've always enjoyed hanging out with you. Always enjoyed your parties. And the fact that that whole convention is your big party is just going to be great to me. So I'm really looking forward to to going. And unlike the big conferences where you go and you see the guests on a stage 100 feet away in a room of 4,000 or 8,000 people, I mean, this is the convention where you go and you're sitting out on the sofa in the lobby, and you might be sitting next to the author guest of honor, yeah. having a glass of wine and talking about, oh, God knows what. Yeah. And we are going to have a family track. We will have children's programming all weekend. Which I think is great. I mean, because, you know, you gotta, you got to start them young, and you got to start them appropriately. So, and there it is. There With LARPing. Uh, all right. So, if you've got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, please... Write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And if you have questions about WesterCon, write into info at westercon66.org. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, until the next time and beyond, 
I gotta come up with a better way to sign that off. I will re- always remain. Work on that. I might change my name though. You, you know, no, no. I mean, just with an exclamation point at the end to make the musical comedy version. Of uh, no, no. Seriously, Rasta. don't add. Don't add an exclamation point to the end of your name that involves slathering yourself in peanut butter. I'm very perplexed by that. I will explain that later. But I am Derek McCaw, editor chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Our guests, Kevin Roach, Andy Tremblay. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.